This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, an author, and an executive coach. And today, I am delighted to welcome Herminia Ibarra to the show. Herminia will discuss how to find the clarity you need to reinvent your career by offering counterintuitive advice that flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Herminia, welcome. Thanks so much, Caroline. I'm really thrilled to be here. Oh, I am overjoyed. I, as I shared with you before we started the show today, I have been a long follower of your incredible work. And of course, uh, Working Identity has been out for a long time, but there's an updated edition with a new preface, which is what we're going to talk about today. So my first question for you, why the update? It's an interesting time in history. Yeah, well, you know, the first edition of Working Identity came out 20 years ago. And since then, the need to reinvent ourselves has only risen. Um, We've only seen more and more people um, looking to reinvent their careers for lots of different reasons. You know, the world is changing a lot, technology, AI, you know, we're living longer, our companies transform much more, we look for more meaning in our work. And so it's, it, we felt like it was even more relevant today than before, but it was time to give it a refresher. I love that. You know, I want to ask, because what I'm sensing in the seat as a career and executive coach working with clients, and you referenced that burnout is at an all-time high, and a lot of people are saying, enough, I'm done. I want to reinvent. I want something with meaning and purpose that also allows me to have a healthy life. Did you find that in your research? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is a trend that's growing. You know, we want to have more passion in our work, more sense of meaning, more purpose, more flexibility, more balance. We want so many things. And, you know, it's almost as if, as we want more and more from our work, our conventional companies give us less and less of that. (laughs) And so the mismatch is huge. And it leads a lot of people to say, what else can I do? Absolutely. And what I love about your approach, it really is very different than a lot of conventional insight about making a career move, starting with the end goal. I want to be an X or I'm interested in a career in Y. And I would love for you to introduce to this global audience why that doesn't always work and that you have a better solution. Sure. You know, when you're making just a a, a regular job shift or looking for another job, you can do that. You know what you want, and then you just look at, at the steps. When it comes to career change, the thing I learned in doing the research for this book, which is very research based and is still true today, is that the number one hurdle is that people can tell you what they don't want anymore, what doesn't work for them anymore, but they have a hard time formulating what they want instead. And so the normal way of searching that's destination focused just doesn't work because you don't know what the destination is. You have to take steps. You have to try some things. You have to explore. Sometimes you have to go look at something that ends up being the wrong answer altogether before you figure out a next step. And the next step, and iteratively you find your way Because it's a discovery process, not an implementation process, because you're looking into something different. 
and I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear, even though we're on a podcast and we can't see <laughs> each other. The, the iterative approach is, is absolutely spot on. And I think this global audience knows, and you and I chatted about it ever so briefly, my first career was as an opera singer. And my goodness, it was an iterative approach trying to find that next step. So I have, uh, I fully agree with your process, but I'd love, Herminia, for you to unpack the concept of possible selves versus one true self. Okay, I will do that. So one of the things that gets us stuck is that we have been told um, that this is all about discovering your true self, that there is a true self deep down inside of you. And sometimes it gets kind of covered up with a lot of muck, but you've got to excavate it and find it. And that will lead the way. Well, I'm a psychologist and I can tell you that is a myth. There is no true self. We are, we are the product of our formative experiences. We are the product of all the different roles we play today. But even more importantly, when it comes to reinventing yourself, we are possibility, possible selves in the future. There's lots of different paths that we might take that are still unknown and undiscovered. And the first step when you actually, you know, some people are lucky. They know what they want to do next. It might be hard to get into that, but they know what to search for. Most of us don't know. And so it becomes a process of exploring possibilities, and which is a very freeing idea because it takes you away from that sense of who do you want to be, you, who do you want to be when you grow up, or where do you want to be five years from now, which most people who are frustrated in what they currently do cannot answer. Yeah, I love that. And it, it often reminds me of a, a different sensibility in different parts of the world. It's very common in the U.S. when you meet a new person, tell me what you do. And it locks right into the career. And in other parts of the world, tell me about you. It's much more broad, but, but it shows me such an interesting look at identity and career. Yeah. Well, it's it's normal that our identity gets wrapped up in our career. And it's it's simply because our work takes up so much of our time. And, and, yeah. and so our work is what we do on a day-to-day basis, what fills our hours. It's also the company we keep. It really determines the network of people around you. And it's also your story. You know, I, I, I worked hard. I dreamed of becoming, say, a partner in a law firm, and I did that. And, and, and so changing your career is undoing all of that, which is, which is really hard. But it is completely normal that our identity is tied up with our work. I agree. I agree. I, I want to pull that thread a little bit because it's an interesting opportunity to think about people that do focus on what they studied, the experiences they have, for example. I've I've met uh, many lawyers who have been practicing law for a long time, and that identity is so ingrained in them, and they have a really hard time between holding on and letting go, which you write so beautifully about in the book, because they no longer want to serve in that capacity. The legal industry does not inspire them or motivate them for whatever reasons, but that identity is, is seemingly locked and that letting go process is tough. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So it's a human thing to hang on to something until you have a replacement that's more exciting. <laughs> and that's yeah. why the process is about hanging on and letting go. And that's why you really have to start exploring options, even 
um, when you have no idea what you might want to go into yet. It's only as shiny new possibilities start to appear on the horizon that it starts to feel okay to let go of that past. You know, what makes career transition hard is that we're dealing with loss, loss of a job, loss of a possible future of a future that you planned, maybe a sense of even sunk costs. I've invested all of this time in something that I no longer want to do. The way we deal with loss is to think about what do we replace it with? What's going to fill our days? What's going to be fulfilling? And it's only when you start to see a glimmer of promise and possibility that you start really mobilizing yourself towards that future you. I'm so grateful that you mentioned loss. I often talk to clients about a grieving process, especially if they're, they've been laid off or let go. Yeah, it, there's an emotional wake with that transition. Yeah, it's and that's that's the hard part of it. It is a grieving process, and in, we know from grieving processes that it's it's a little bit of an oscillating back and forth between holding on to that thing that you've lost and letting go of it in order to do something else. It's not linear. It's not linear. It always takes longer than you think. You've got to allow that. Uh, but at the same time, simply because you haven't finished grieving doesn't mean that you can't take actions that will help you find a next step. Herminia, we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Herminia, one of the things that I absolutely love about the book is that you have talked with hundreds of successful career changers, and you illustrate some of those stories in the book. Would you pick one and perhaps share that with this audience to help others understand what that process looked like and the journey involved? Gosh, there's so many. You know, the one that's just popped into my mind is is someone um, I called Susan. You know, everybody's disguised. Um, Susan was a consultant um, in a in a change management practice, very top level, very accomplished, and she didn't want to do that anymore for two reasons. One was, you know, her work life balance was off. Um, and, and she wanted more of her time, particularly in terms of her parenting. The other aspect was 
is just starting to crave, um, you know, having more of a kind of a hands-on impact, not such a distant analytical conceptual uh, effect on the organization she worked with. And, you know, she did everything right. She planned her exit. You know, she made sure her finances were in order. Um, And she, you know, in her case, she felt that she had to quit because she just didn't have time to run a parallel search. But, But she had her cushion. She had her plan. And then she found herself a couple weeks into it just completely at a loss for who am I and what do I do with my time and how do I connect to people? And, you know, all the people who sought her out didn't even want to talk to her anymore when they ran into her because she was no longer useful in that kind of networky way. And and lo and behold, uh, a former client came to her and offered to her what she said was the the perfect job according to the relentless logic of a post-MBA CV, which is what she had, meaning it was perfect on paper. And it was the head of strategy for for a listed firm. And she thought, you know, why not? You know, this this kind of gets me out of where I've been. It's more, um, it's corporates, it's more operational. Uh, she thought she'd negotiated kind of less travel, more time, you know, for herself. Well, she went into it. And it was like out of the frying pan and into the fire. It had all the same features that she was trying to escape away from. And she realized that she had jumped too fast simply because the vacuum, the void, the loss was too much for her to handle. She hadn't been prepared for it. And so what she ended up doing very courageously, but you know, she certainly wishes she hadn't had to resort to that, is she quit early on. And she said, wait a minute, this isn't for me. And she started, um, she, you know, she kind of put out her shingle and started doing her own consulting um, in the areas that she had been working on, where she had the Rolodex and she had the network and she was able to kind of get up to a, the level of income that she needed. But very wisely, she spent a little bit of, she left a little bit of time to explore other things, to volunteer, to work with organizations that had a mission she believed in. And slowly but surely, she started pivoting in the direction of one of the companies that she worked for on a pro bono basis, doing consulting in the nonprofit sector, which ended up, over time, becoming her next career. Mm. That is such a great story. I'm I'm grateful that you shared Susan's story. And what that shows me too is that it takes time. And I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about crafting experiments. You write so beautifully about this in the book. And it sounds like the second half of that Susan story is just that, experimenting. That's exactly it. And you know, this the bad news of this all is that it does take time and it takes longer than you think. And I've never met a person who say, Woo, that went so fast. <laughs> It always takes so much longer than you think. And the reason for it is you are um, exploring different avenues, creating possibilities that didn't exist, and then trying to make your way into them. So it's a very different kind of process. And it does require, you know, the the fact of the matter is nobody's going to hire you or fund you if you don't have experience in a domain. So you're going to have to find it somehow. And that's also part of this process. Do you, can you do it on a volunteer basis? Do you have to take a course? Can you do it on a contract basis? 
How do you make your way towards this thing that is new and unknown in which you have no experience and no connections? So you do experiments. You try it out as actively as you can, maybe on a part-time basis, maybe on a nights and weekends basis. And as you start to um, pile up experience and credibility, you also get a better sense of, do I love this? This is something that I really want to invest in for the future. I love that. It's a it's a side hustle, your way into what could be more long term. And pulling pulling that thread, Hermine. As we say. Yeah, yeah. Pulling that thread. There's no doubt that role models and influencers and people that are working in a different realm than you are leaving, for example, can often be hard to find because they're not in your established network. So how do we find these new people? How do we we start finding kindred spirits and a new journey. Well, you have to look differently. You know, people get so obsessed about networking for leads that they forget that they still don't even know really what they want to do and that they need to network for inspiration and for role models and kindred spirits as well. And, you know, in fact, those are easier. Those are easier because if you start looking around, you reactivate contact with people you've lost track of. You ask your, you know, people you know who's made an interesting career change. If you have no idea, you just start looking a little bit more broadly. Who's doing interesting things? If you start to have a glimmer of idea, you ask the people you know for people they know. You use the six degrees of separation. You reconnect to people who left your company or who moved to another country who are seeing different things than you do about who you might connect to. It's hard work and it requires um, some rigor and some methodology, but it's not that hard to do once you get going. It's more a matter of getting started. It's all about reinventing your story. And I know you write so beautifully about the essential need for storytelling. So where do we begin there? Because I think people intellectually understand that, but how to start? Right. And a lot of people don't start the networking when they're feeling confused and uncertain about what they want to do next because they feel like, well, what am I going to say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and they don't want to they don't want to waste those contacts when their story isn't straight yet. But their story is not going to get straight until they've had a lot of coffees and a lot of conversations with people. So you start by saying, hey, I'm exploring. You know, I I'm ready for a shift Here's, you know, if you have some ideas, here's what they are. If you don't have some ideas, is here's what I don't want. And, and maybe you start with some of the safer conversations, people who know you better or who are, who are less likely to be judgmental or who are more coaching oriented, who can ask questions and help draw out of you. Uh, the best way to make kindred spirits is to, to take a course um, every manner of course, it doesn't even have to be a career transition coach, uh, course, but, you know, a course on being a non-executive director or a co course on being a coach, you know, all of these things attract people who in transition who are trying to figure out a next step and they're fantastic ways to get started. Even if you never end up doing that simply because it'll put you in touch with other people who are also searching. Herminia Ibarro, I learned so much from you. I am deeply grateful. I love, love, love the new book. It's called Working Identity, of course, the updated edition with a brand new preface, Unconventional Strategies for Reinventing Your Career. And it is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But Herminia, how can this global audience follow you after the show? 
<laughs> Great question. Thank you. Um, I have my website is herminiaibarra.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Herminia Ibarra, as well as on X, also at Herminia Ibarra. So those are the best ways to find me. I so appreciate you, Herminia. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise with this global audience today. I am truly grateful. Thank you, Caroline. It's been wonderful to speak with you. And Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I'd love to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. And a special shout-out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 34 countries. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.